You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hey friends, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals we have right here in the United States, and this is episode 88 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron. And I'm Ken Melvoin-Berg. This week, we have a conversation with returning guest Andrew Gerza. Andrew Gerza is a disability awareness consultant and cripple content creator whose written work has been featured in Daily Extra, Gay Times UK, Huffington Post, The Advocate, Everyday Feminism, Mashable, and Out.com, in addition to several other anthologies. He was guested on a number of podcasts, including Dan Savage's Savage Love and Cameron Esposito's Query. He has spoken all over the world at conferences on topics like sex, disability, and what it means to be a queer cripple. He is also the host of the Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability available on all major platforms. He is also the creator of the viral hashtag, Disabled People Are Hot. Andrew is absolutely awesome. So the first time we talked to Andrew on American Sex Podcast was last year, episode 55. I'm going to put that in the show notes, by the way, if you want to hear it. But let me tell you, a lot has transpired since episode 55 in Andrew's life. In the conversation you're about to hear, Andrew tells us about going viral with the hashtag Disabled People Are Hot. He was in all the papers. He was on the front page of the BBC website. And it wasn't just a hashtag. It became a movement. Andrew also tells us about how he recently told his mother that he regularly hires sex workers and how it changed their relationship. We talk about why the concept of enthusiastic consent is ableist and why it's not a good model in many instances. And we also talk about how to combat your personal isms, because no matter how woke and aware we think we are, each and every one of us is still ist in some way, shape, or form to some extent. There's a ton of great stuff in this conversation, and I'm really excited to share it with you. Oh, and this part is really super important. If you're listening to this on release day, it is Monday, May 6th, and that day is also Andrew Gerza's birthday. Happy birthday, Andrew. Woo! Yes, please join Ken and I in wishing Andrew the happiest of happy days. And, you know, you can sing along right now because we can do, Andrew, I know you're listening. This is for you because nobody else really wants to hear me sing happy birthday. Want to join me, Ken? No. Oh, damn. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Andrew, which also rhymes with you too, which really goes really well with this song. Happy birthday to you, Andrew. And I'm going to add on my own birthday song. This is just for you. This is the official American Sex Podcast birthday song for you, Andrew. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. All right. So now that's, that's done. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Andrew is the Andrew Gerza on Twitter and most social media. So hop on over and send him some birthday joy. Oh, but wait a minute. Before we get to Andrew's interview, American fuckers, you know, not only is it Andrew's birthday, it's time for something else. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. Shout out to the folks that joined our Patreon family this week. 
big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Elena and Jordan for becoming American Sex Podcast Patreon supporters. American fuckers is so much easier to say. This past week, we appreciate it so much, and we couldn't do this podcast without you and your support. So thank you both. If you're curious about Patreon, you can always find out more about membership at patreon.com slash American sex. And not only does your membership help support this show, you get lots of awesome perks too, from bonus episodes and stories to American sex podcast stickers, video greetings, random surprises in the mail, and a whole bunch more. Now, if you're a regular listener, you may have noticed a new little something each week. I've been telling you about a podcast that we enjoy that you may have never heard before. This week, I want to tell you about Shameless Sex. It's a podcast hosted by Amy Baldwin, who's a sex and relationship coach, a certified sex educator, and the co-owner of a mother-daughter-owned pleasure boutique and other host, April Lampert, the VP of an international sex toy company. On Shameless Sex, they inspire radical self-love, sexual empowerment, and shame-free intimacy. From pussy praising to how to be a badass in the bedroom, Amy and April dish out real talk about sexuality with a playful twist on Shameless Sex. Now I'm going to play the trailer for Shameless Sex after our guest conversation, and I'll leave the link in the show notes. So please, Go give it a listen. Ooh, one other thing about a podcast. All right, a few days back, I inserted a quick little bonus episode in our feed introducing the steamy, steamy erotic fiction podcast, Purple Panties by Zane. And oh my God, it is so good. It's hot. So if you missed that, I'll also have a link in the show notes to that bonus quickie that has Purple Panties trailer. Okay, American fuckers. Here is the Andrew Gerza. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! American fuckers, I am so goddamn happy right now because we have a guest on the show who's been on the show once before, but he has some more absolutely amazing stuff to talk about, Mr. Andrew Gerza. Andrew, thank you so much for coming back on the show a second time. Ken, Sunny, thank you for having me. And am I your first repeat guest? Is this like, is this like a... A rarity on American Sex Podcast? It is a rarity. You're like, one think, of the few elite. How many have we had? Three? I think we've had two or three, re- two or three. repeats, and that's it. Yeah. So you're you're part of the elite club. Of you repeats. are part of the elite club. The, we the, like you that much. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, feel, I feel so honored to be part of the elite club. So, Andrew, since we last talked, you have, like, blown the heck up for a number wait, wait, of reasons. Can you qualify that? I mean, what do you mean? You made, you made it sound like a terrorist attack. No, 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 no. So you've blown up for a couple of reasons, but one big one is your hashtag that went viral called disabled people are hot. Yep. So tell me about that. Um, I've told this story a few times now, but I love this story. So I don't know. I was just bored on the Twitter sphere one day and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put out, I just typed it in my twitter as a sentence not as a hashtag right away i just typed in to say people are hot and then i was like then i looked on twitter's like built-in hashtag thing to see just maybe maybe a disabled activist has used this before as a hashtag i'm sure i was sure they had because i'm not the only disability activist on twitter doing things so i was like i'm sure someone's used this already and i typed it in twitter and i got back this hashtag has never been used before and i was like what oh okay so I was like, I can play with this. So I said, everybody who 
has a picture of themselves they like, take a picture and use the hashtag disabled people are hot and I thought I'd get five or six responses and it would, you know, die like most Twitter things do. And I went to bed that night and I woke up and I had like hundreds and hundreds of tweets and mentions in my DMs and I was like, what is happening? And there were pictures from all over the world of people using the hashtag, smiling, feeling sexy, posed, feeling hot. So it was really, really cool. So when you were sitting there like, I'll just see if disabled people are hot as a hashtag, why did you even think of that? Like, what were you you intending to post or what were you intending to do with that phrase? Well, I mean, I'm a a sex educator, right? So sometimes when we're bored, we just put out like, I'm horny right now. Being put on like <laughs> so, like I was like, well, let me just put out disabled people are hot and see. Feeling cute might use an unused hashtag. Yeah, IDK. Feeling cute yeah. might be more disabled later. I don't know, whatever. It's like <laughs> so that was my my thinking behind it. I didn't expect to to like blow up a hashtag, but at the same time, I was also doing stuff on Twitter, and I don't know if you've seen this, where I'll say like, hey, are you? And I actually I know you've seen this, where where I'll say like, hey, are you disabled and creating something? leave your links below and I'll retweet them. So I was like, maybe I can get a photo thing similar to that going if I ask people to put sexy photos. And I just said, okay, let me marry the two ideas and see what happens. And so I did that and then it blew up. Wow. So I've seen quite a bit. I remember watching it like unfold and every day it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, there's more. Oh my God, now this person's doing it. That was the... So you must have seen probably thousands of submissions. What are a few of your favorites that stand out to you? There was somebody named Brandy. Brandy Lewis, I think, is her name. And she's from somewhere in the desert. And there's a picture of her. And the one that was, it was the one that was all over the news. And it was a picture of her in the desert, sitting in her wheelchair with big, poofy hair in a, in a yellow, like, pants dress suit smiling and i was like that picture is amazing and that one is my one of my absolute favorites and then just the ones that people low-key in their bedroom like oh feeling super crappy today but just want to let you know that i'm still disabled hot like the or disabled people are hot like those were really cool ones um the people from like kenya and south africa doing it and just like that was amazing because i didn't think that me and my bedroom in toronto had that kind of reach so I was like, wow, that, like, it just was really, it really showed me that disability really does come in all sizes and shapes and colors. And it was eye-opening for me to kind of recognize my own privilege there. And be like, hey, disability isn't really just a white thing. I need to, even as the creator of this, I need to sit down and let this, let this go everywhere. So there was one kind of an amusing thing that was attached to the hashtag that I wasn't expecting. And that was, um, I, I was expecting people that were absolutely sexy. And then there was this one section that I came across of images, and it was for EMTs on how to reduce fevers uh, in people that are disabled. Wait, what? <laughs> because it was disabled <gasps> people are hot. I was oh thinking hot is sexy, and they were actually using it as a description of temperature. I never saw I that, was but a that's thing. kind of hilarious. That's actually really funny. Oh, disabled people are got a fever of 103. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's funny. Okay, so you said, what did you say? You're like, oh, da-da-da. And then when it was all over the news, so for people listening who are like, wait, how big was this hashtag? Like, how far did you reach? What kind of news outlets are we talking? Uh, let's see. The night that the night that I launched it, the advocate reached out to me, which is, I mean, that's the U.S., so it's, that's not super huge. 
But in terms of, like, queer visibility, that's a pretty big one. And then within a few days, uh, BBC reached out to me. and That's really huge. Like, that was, uh, they were like, can we put it on the front page of our website? And I was like, okay. So for, like, a couple hours, <laughs> I was on the face of BBC in, like, a tank top looking, like, all smoldering and stuff, which is hilarious. Because if anyone knows me, in, that, in those pictures, I have IBS. And all those pictures where I look like I'm, like, smoldering, it's actually, please don't shit myself, please don't shit myself, please don't shit myself right now. <laughs> so I always find those photos on the news funny because I know the backstory, but no one else does. Um, so, I mean, that was really cool. Just to, And then to have Richard Branson tweet that tweet back out was like, whoa! Holy cow. All right. So Richard Branson, like, retweeted your original tweet? No, he retweeted the tweet from the BBC when the BBC picked it up. Oh, damn. But still, like, Richard Branson tweeted about a thing I did. What? Cool. All right. Like, great. I'm going to be going around like, do you know who I know? I know Andrew Garza. <laughs> We're friends. <laughs> We're totally friends. I support this. <laughs> so, okay. This started as a, you know you didn't put a whole lot of thought into it as in like, I know this is going to go viral and oh, it's going to touch all these people in all of these ways, but it actually did. So it went from being a hashtag to a movement. So what types of uh, things, what types of important uh, s- symbols, what types of important relationships does this hashtag now have with different people around the world? Like, what does it mean to people It, it now? just means to be proud of being disabled and know that sexuality and disability is a human right and to know that you can be you can be you can have tubes coming out of your body you can be in a hospital bed you can be like on death's door really and you can still if you want to be sexy and disabled you can and are hot and disabled you can do that and the movement part i mean i think that's really awesome people are people have written articles about it people have written have you know people have gone on there was a, a show in the uk after it first launched, like a comedy show where they showed my picture and said my name, like a big show in the UK on BBC, like one or something. And I was like, this is, wow, my face on a comedy show. And then to have like people write me and say, this hashtag is like saved my life. This hashtag makes me feel seen. Like this hashtag makes me cry with joy. That kind of stuff really showed me that this is an important thing. And so I mean, I like it because I didn't put any thought into it. It wasn't something that I was like, I want to go viral. And I think, to be, to be truthful, I have wanted to go viral for a long time because, you know, I, I think the work that I'm doing and others are doing around disability is important. So I secretly have wanted to go viral, but I never expected that to happen. So when it did, it was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah. The time is now, I guess. It's happening. Yeah. So you told me and, and Ken a, a lot of ways that this helped and inspired and reassured and validated disabled people. So yes, this hashtag is for disabled people. However, in what ways did it bring awareness to those who aren't disabled? Well, it it allowed for other non-disabled people to admit that, yeah, I think disabled people are sexy and that's okay because there's a shame, I think, when you're non-disabled and you... um, and you say, hey, I think that disabled person in the wheelchair is super hot and I want to I wanna, like, get with him. People are like, oh, wow, that's, oh, that's a lot. Wow, that's too much. So I think it, it gave disabled people, permi- or no, sorry, non-disabled people, able-bodied people, there's too many terms for what they are, but able-bodied people, <laughs> able-bodied people the permission to be, to say, yeah, 
that disabled person is attractive and yes, I'm attracted to them. Mm. There was also a lot of criticism, though. I saw some dick bags on the internet with responses that that were not. Oh nice. yeah, people were just ridiculous. Like, oh, the guy that wrote that tweet should die. Doesn't he know that disabled people are not hot? Like, just ridiculous things like that. And you know, as somebody who's pretty active on social media, I know that that stuff comes around, and you pretend like it doesn't bother you, but for a minute, it does bother you. It's like, why would you say that? Like, why do you think that you know, you're being so clever? Like. Why did why does Twitter and also why does Twitter allow this like blatant discrimination to just continue when the stuff that we're trying to do trying to do around like sex work and around like you know rights of everybody that gets flagged but some asshole being like oh so and so should die because they're disabled that's no problem that doesn't violate your standards what so mm-hmm. I just think like I don't pay any attention to the haters I actually I actually love the haters thank you for pushing out my hashtag more thanks so much because it's publicity for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they say you haven't really made it until you have haters, right? Pretty much. I'm, I'm, I guess yeah. I'm a star now. Yeah, I know Andrew Gerza. We're like friends. The best. So, I like there were yeah there were a lot of people like you're ugly and it's like yeah whatever. But I also saw some some criticisms where they I think they were like trying to be serious. Like they weren't just like I'm a jerk and I'm going to say you know something insulting. They were like. I don't understand why you have to call attention to your sexuality and, uh, you know, and, and that just to me opened up a whole nother set of issues that need to be addressed. What about you? What did you think? Of oh, those yeah. Responses? I mean, I did. I, well, I didn't actually read those criticisms. And now that I know that they're out there, that's, that's interesting. It just shows that you don't think disabled people are sexy, which only again, furthers my cause. And so to that, I say, fuck you. I'm going to keep going. Um, also, to the people, and there were some other criticisms that I saw from people saying, like, wait, so does this mean that no one else is hot? And I'm just like, oh my god. Uh, yeah. Are you, like, all, are you all lives mattering this? Like, this is yes. not what this is about. I was like, really? Are you kidding? For like, fuck's sake. Like, well, what do you, I'm not disabled. Does that mean I'm not hot? <laughs> it's like, oh. It means you're fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, oh. like, oh my goodness. God. So I just couldn't, like, and I, I just can't believe that people are so like this is my trouble with social justice and like social media you you're allowed to have a voice yes that's great and i i support you right in having that voice but some of the stuff you say is ridiculous and i don't need to hear it so thank you for the block button (laughs) yeah yeah okay so then after the you know, media storm. This is what, like February is when the hashtag came yeah, out. February 2019. Just so that someone's like, Oh, so somebody else created that before you. No, I did. Thanks. Got it. You got it. So I don't know even how long ago, but th- you kind of were all over the place again, because I was seeing all these articles that like, I told my mom that I hire sex workers and it's changed our relationship or something to that effect. So tell me about that. That one, that one, um, that came about because, well, I told my mom a few months ago that I hired sex workers. We, my mom and I are very close. We're like really, really close. We're like almost best friends. I talk to her every day. She just called me five minutes ago before we hit record we talk all the time. Oh, say hi to mom. Uh, say hi to, to Mrs. Andrew. Not Mrs. Mrs. Andrew. What if Ms. Mom and Mom Gerza? I don't Mrs. know. What do I call it? Share some kids. I'll say hello. Okay. Hi, mom. Very cool. Um, hi. So sh- we talk every day. And so one day we were talking and I just said, hey, mom, I got to tell you something. And she goes, yeah. 
And I said, oh, I hire sex workers. And she paused. And in that pause, I was sure she was going to be like, oh, my God, he's, he, that's what a horrible thing he's doing. Is it dangerous? Is it safe? Like, I can't believe he would do this. I'm going to disown him and we're done. I was waiting for that conversation. And within that 10 seconds, she goes, okay, great. I think that's a great thing. And I, I'm proud of you. And I went, what? Like, I was like, <laughs> bowl over with both joy and like relief and like, what? Hang on, what just happened? You okay with this? And so I, I kind of laid it out for her, and she was like, you know what? You're doing what makes you happy, and you're getting your needs met. There's nothing wrong with that, and I support you. And that was probably, and I've been seeing sex workers at this point for two years at this point, mm-hmm. kind of in secret, pretending like, oh, mom, I'm going on a date with a guy. I'll see you later. Bye. And I would never say, like, what was actually happening. But when I told her, like, all of this fear and shame dissipated from my body, and I could take a breath, and once she knew... It just changed everything. I could. I was totally. We we spent the next forty five minutes on the phone with me telling her about the first few times I hired somebody and what that was like and and how you know how the how the payment stuff works and do I do I trust the person and and I've told her about the workers that I work with on a regular basis and how all that stuff and it really just strengthened our relationship because it meant that she understood that for me as a disabled person, sex is, doesn't come easy and the idea to have a relationship isn't always as easy as one, two, three, I'm going to go and meet somebody and there it is. So when I told her, it was me saying, I've tried everything else. This is kind of my last resort to get my dick wet when I want to. I didn't say it like that, obviously. But, you know, I told her this and she said, you know, if I if I were in your position and I didn't have a partner who I love and care for, your, your, your dad, I would be doing the same thing you're doing. So that really made me feel proud to tell her and to know that she was in my corner and to know that she knew also so that if anything were to happen to me with a with a worker or a partner or something, someone that I loved and cared about really knew what was going on. Hey Andrew, can I ask you a personal question about that? Wow. This is the this is the personal part. We haven't like gotten there already. Nope, haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> sure, wow. So so do you ever just hire a sex worker to just completely just get a nut? Or do you want it to be like a date? Oh, I am I am a classy date. I'm a I'm a classy date me and dine me gimp. I'm like no no no. We're gonna go out. We're gonna, <laughs> I mean there are there, no there are times where I've been with the two workers that I see regularly. Where I'm like I just want you to come over and like rub your body against my body and put your dick in my mouth and then we're done. Like yeah, there are moments where that happens. But I am a, I also enjoy like the sensual like let's watch some TV. Let's have a lot of foreplay. Let's see, like, I like to play with that because I can't go on a quote-unquote normal date. So this is my chance to explore all of that. But yeah, there are definitely days where I'm like, hey, it's 2 o'clock and I want to bust it out. What are you doing right now? Are you free? Great, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So what is it that made you decide to tell your mom? Was it something that you had thought about? Like, I need to tell her, and if so, why? Or was it just something you blurted out one day? No, it was something that I've been wanting to talk about a lot but i was ashamed yeah so when you when you're when you're ashamed about something you start lying on top of lying on top of lying on top of lying and they weren't big lies i would say like oh i'm gonna go meet somebody for a date and she would then ask me a few days later oh how'd your date go and i'd have to be like you know in my head i'd be like that it's not a real date but she doesn't know that so she's just asking me so it just felt like you know i'm gonna be 35 next week so like i i was like i'm i'm 
I'm a grown up. There's, there's nothing to be ashamed about here. Why don't I tell her? Yeah. And also, and I think. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And also for her to. I know I forgot my train of thought. You go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, but I think it's important to realize you're a sexuality educator. You're used to divulging all sorts of personal details and you have gotten to the point in your life where you've gotten rid of a lot of shame that, that civilians, I guess we call them non-sex educators carry around and don't talk about. And you still in that instance felt ashamed about that so one i think that's important just for people to recognize like we're humans too and shame is a hard thing to overcome but how did that feel for you knowing like of all people i shouldn't be ashamed and i'm still ashamed was that kind of a head trip for you uh yeah it was and just to like piggyback on your last point there i'm i'm never not ashamed even though i'm a sex educator and i do what i do and i'm proud of what i do and i know how to get up in front of people and turn that charm on and do my job even when I'm doing that and sharing those experiences, there's still shame there. It never goes away. I know how to, like, tamp it down a little bit, but it's never not there. Especially around disability and ableism, it's always there. Uh, but to feel that I had was ashamed around my mom, the person who would be there for me no matter what, and has seen me through my best and worst things, it just felt silly at this point to be 35, you know, barreling towards 40, holy fuck. Um... <laughs> at light speed and not tell my mom the truth because like we've been through so many things together with my disabled body what's the point in lying like she's yeah. the person who's literally who literally like wh- you know as an adult has wiped my ass and will continue to and has helped me with peeing and catheters and all that stuff so why would I lie about this yeah that makes sense so I saw this all over, you know, social media and Huffington Post and all sorts of different places. What were some of the reactions? Well, first of all, were you the one, you were the one who wrote the article, right? I wrote it, yeah. I con- okay. I contacted Good wording, my, by the way. Oh, thank you. I contacted my amazing friends at HuffPo. Thanks, Noah Michelson. Hi. Um, and I said, I want to I write this. And they were like, sure, great. So um, they ran with it. I can, let me pull up some of the reactions because I think I have some. Okay. And they're like super, they're super, oh, prepare yourself. They are. Oh, God. Like, oh, God. <laughs> the things that they say in this, in some, if I can find it, the things that they, well, the things that they say are like, uh, you know, I, I can't find it, but I can, I can basically read you some verbatim in my brain that I remember. They're like, oh, no, you're supporting sex trafficking. Okay. <sighs> not doing that. Sex work and sex trafficking are two very different things. Oh no, why would you want to tell your mom that? It's so gross. What kind of gross relationship do you have with your mother? That kind of crap. And it's like, how depraved are you? Also, this was on a HuffPost personal website. So you'd think the readership would be a little bit more like, can you not be that much of a dick, please? Right, right. So... There were also positive reactions, you know, oh, those, to- those, those weren't the only negative reactions, yeah, yeah. but why, what prompted you to say, not only like, I need to tell my mom, but to, to then be like, I need to tell the world. Why did you need to share this story? Like, what would, did you hope people would get out of it? Well, because these are conversations that are happening all the time, and it's, it's changing the way that people with disabilities talk about sex, and it's changing the way that the non-disabled community looks at sex, and to have such a private conversation put out in the real world was like, look, this is what's really happening. 
we need to legalize sex work everywhere. This is proof that it works. I have. I am not as depressed as I used to be. I'm ha- happy because once every two weeks, I hire my worker and I get what I want and we have a good time and I feel better. So why, like, and if I if I didn't do that, I'd be sitting in my room wishing that I could. And by telling, yeah. by putting this out in the world, it it allows for other parents and disabled kids, kids, disabled adults, children to look at this and say, hey, maybe this is an option for you. You want to talk about this together? It allows for a different avenue of conversation around this that we're that we haven't really had much of publicly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, especially with your agency of your sexuality. Like, you know, and I know your mom doesn't do this by any means, but other people are sort of infantilizing you to a certain extent. Oh, They're yeah, like trying totally. to keep you safe. And, and I'll tell you what, if you're an able-bodied person and you haven't had a blowjob or a hand job from somebody in a wheelchair, you are fucking missing out. I mean... Because number one, those arms, that arm strength. Number two, rolling back and forth. I'm telling you what, it's one of the best experiences I've ever had. I mean, not all of Just us have saying. super great arm strength because some of us are like, some of us have muscle stuff, but... Our mouth abilities are super good. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, people listening along, there are probably quite a few people who are wondering, do I fall into the, you know, disability bucket? You know, there are people that obviously fall, you know, you have cerebral palsy, you obviously do fall, but there are people with unseen disabilities or neurological disabilities so do those people, are those people considered disabled as well? Can they use the disabled people or hot hashtag? Oh, yeah. I made a point when I, when I created the hashtag after it started, after it started going viral. I, I said on Twitter, like, if you, are, if you have an invisible disability, this hashtag is also for you. Because people will come into my DMs and be like, oh, I have this. Am I allowed? Of course you're allowed. What right do I have to tell you that you can't identify as disabled? Mm-hmm. If you feel that, and because... Disability is such a diverse community. If you feel that way, I have no right to tell you you're not disabled. Now, if like you are trying to capitalize on being disabled and like or pretending that's a problem, but if you like genuinely feel there's an issue that qualifies you to be disabled, then I support that. going through a rough patch or just dealing with life's ups and downs, you need someone who'll listen. But that's easier said than done for some of us. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, LGBTQ plus folks are three times more likely to experience mental health challenges due to discrimination and social rejection. Thankfully, Talkspace provides an affordable, convenient support system trained to help members of the LGBTQ community handle their most challenging emotions around issues of gender, sexual identity, and orientation. Here's how it works. Talkspace uses your preferences to match you with one of over 4,000 therapists the same day you sign up. Their therapists are rigorously vetted and trained to help clients handle a range of challenges, from anxiety to depression to challenges related to gender, sexuality, or any other parts of life. Best of all, you get unlimited online messaging access to your therapist, and you'll hear back from them daily, five days a week. Talkspace is committed to helping LGBTQ folks experience acceptance and support. 
More importantly, they're specifically trained in handling real-life issues LGBTQ plus folks face, from healthcare access to marriage equality, workplace discrimination, and more. Your conversations are completely confidential and can be done from the privacy of your device. And it's really important to the folks at Talkspace that you find the right fit with your therapist. So if you want to switch therapists, you can do so at any time at no extra cost. Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in working with LGBTQ clients. To match with a therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, I want you to go to Talkspace.com sunny. Make sure to use the code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, to get your first week free. And it'll also give you the opportunity to show your support for American Sex Podcast. Now, remember, you get your first week free. I mean, F-R-E-E, completely free when you sign up today at Talkspace.com slash SUNNY. Okay, so... I was on Twitter, and... As you do. As, as I do, it's way too freaking much. Uh, and I saw something that you had posted regarding um, is the concept of enthusiastic consent ableist. Now, for those listening along that don't, underst- or don't know what enthusiastic consent is, it's basically the... Um, not theory isn't the right word. My words aren't working today. I'm my brain. Um, my brain. I have brain damage too. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's basically when you consent to sex, it shouldn't just be like, oh yeah, okay. It should be like, yes, I really want to do this. I'm totally enthusiastic about it. I'm 100%. I'm 110%. I really want to do this. That's enthusiastic consent. And a lot of educators and people say that you should only engage in sexual things with somebody who has that enthusiastic consent. And then you said, whoa, hold up. That's ableist. Yeah. How come? How well, come why? Tell I, me. I think because like, how? what if you can't? Yeah, I want to. Totally sure. Like, what if you're not able to do that? What is... Who defines what enthusiasm is? And usually enthusiasm means when we think of enthusiastic, we think of like you're moving around, you're waving your hands, you're saying yes, yes, yes. What if you can't do that? So like, I just think the way we look at terminology needs to shift. We need to, we need to make sure we qualify enthusiastic consent. And I read something today actually that said enthusiastic consent just can mean strongly saying yes and strongly agreeing, which I think is better. But initially when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, that means people are supposed to be jumping up and down and screaming and waving their hands. And for a physically disabled person, that might not be possible. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, people who are neurodivergent as well. You know, my interpretation of enthusiasm might be different than how you express it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. maybe we're just d- different in that way. Um, if you look at somebody in the autism spectrum, for example, I think somebody who's a little neurodivergent, you're not going to find enthusiasm meeting the same definition as it would be for any of us. Yeah, exactly. Looking at our friend, you know, Minimus, Minimus Maximus from... from I love Minimus. From uh, Off the Cuff, who is amazing. You know, we talked about that on my show a few weeks ago. And, uh, and like he was saying, sometimes I'm not super enthusiastic and sometimes I can't show that affect. And so, like... Similarly, what if I can't show you that I'm enthusiastic, but I really am? If you could rewrite the definition for everybody, and it's like, okay, we're all sticking to Andrew's definition. 
what would what qualifiers would you put on enthusiastic consent or would you do away with it all together and would, come up with something else i would take away uh enthusiastic consent i saw something earlier online today that was something like confirming consent so like mm-hmm. the person that you're with saying do you really want to do this and you saying yes for yes i would yes yes like really strongly agreeing yes that's better i think mm-hmm. that's all i know you- when we talked to um sexuality educator midori she has she doesn't like enthusiastic consent not even so much because it's ableist nature but because sometimes especially when you're doing things um that fall in the bdsm spectrum you know you're playing with things that you're a little scared or apprehensive about but you still want to do them you may want to do something and you're still like i'm nervous as fuck about this but yes i want to do it so she calls she has replaced it with engaged collaborative consent meaning like you're fully aware of, of what's going on. You're fully informed. You've talked about it. If you, you know, aren't able to express the waving in the arms and yes, 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 that's okay. Um, because consent in all situations doesn't always look like waving the arms and being excited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so, right. It's, it's hard. It's, it's really it's difficult to come up with an across the board consent model or consent rules because, you know, as we were saying, people who are on the autism spectrum may express completely differently. So it's very, I guess, subjective and situational to each person yeah, and each situation. And it's like, how, how do we teach somebody that? I don't have the answer. I mean, do you have, are you even close to having an answer? I don't think I have an answer. I just think <laughs> that like you, I think, and also thinking of other like body types, what if you have a more pronounced version of CP and you are totally cognitively fine, but you can't speak or yeah. you, or you, you know, the only way you communicate is through blinking. So like we have to really take the word consent and put like, 75 million qualifiers on it because it's so diverse and typically when we talk consent we stop at yes and no and that's a problem right and right we, we don't look at the ways yes and no can be interpreted or misinterpreted and how yes and no can look different for each person mm-hmm. yeah i i wish i could figure out how to teach that to everybody and then you know it's like as people have experience, you know, it's just, you, you know, you date different people, you have different experiences, you, uh, you kind of learn the hard way. Well, first of all, if you learn things the hard way, you're going to make some mistakes and that sucks. But I don't think everyone's even, you know, capable of learning at the same rate or learning. No, from, we're, not. we're not. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at a loss here with, with consent. So that's the consensus from three sexuality educators. We that can't explain consent to you. There you go. There you have it. And to muddy the waters even further, if you have people that have like Turner syndrome or Down syndrome, their enthusiasm is off the hook in the opposite direction. And when they might mean maybe, it's going to sound like a yes, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's something that even on my show, I, I haven't really talked to a person with Down syndrome yet. And I would love to because their their ideas of sexuality are completely different than what, than what I'm used to talking about. So... I mean, I just, I think we need to talk to more individuals with, with varying disabilities because it's, they're also vastly different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of people say, too, that, you know, someone that has um, 
anything that affects their, you know, mental capacity or judgment or, you know, they're neurodivergent to an extent where it's questionable, like, can they really consent to this? Do they really know what to, you know, and I've heard people say people with Down syndrome shouldn't have sex. Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. And, and it's like, whoa. Yeah, they, go ahead. I mean, they totally could. But then there's all those weird documentaries. It's like, look, Down syndrome people got married, too. And it's like, oh, man, really? Why are you making this a spectacle? Like, I'm glad they're married. But, like, did they want, did they need, do we need to see them on camera? Do we need to exploit their, like, family time for your weird TV show? Why? Like, they can, they're definitely Down syndrome individuals. And I know some who are also sex educators who do this stuff. I can't think of, of a name right now, but I've seen it online and I've seen them do these things. And I just think that to devalue them and pretend like they don't know what's happening is not fair. Absolutely. So, I have a question for you. I know we talked about you seeing sex workers and that it sounds like you were saying like every couple of weeks and you do this regularly. Yeah. And I also see you on, you know, Twitter and Facebook and social media talking about some of your encounters with people on Tinder and, you know, Grinder and whatnot, and they're not too favorable. So, what does your dating life look like and why... Is it just easier for you to cut to the chase and see a sex worker? Well, because of the stuff you've seen me post on Twitter, like I'll post, I had somebody recently a few months ago and I just did a podcast episode on my show that's coming out soon about this, um, where somebody, somebody at 6am like grinded me and was like, Hey, can I come over and like suck your dick? And I was like, it's 6am on Sunday morning. I, I have stuff to do. I have care workers coming in like an, an hour and a half. Like, thanks, but maybe another time. And he was like, well, fuck you. You you look retarded. Nobody wants you. Like, you're going to go to hell and you're going to die alone and you're gross. And God, God did all of us a favor by making you disabled and just <gasps> really ridiculous like stuff. And I just, that one really hurt. So I posted that on my social media because I was like, look, I want people to see what I'm dealing with. And I actually got responses back that were like, well, you shouldn't post his name because you might have just outed him. And I was like, fuck you. It was like, yeah. if somebody is choosing to be a misogynist, a racist, or an ableist, or in any kind of ist online, I'm going to post their name and their face. I don't care. I, got no, I'm not, I have no shame. And so it's that kind of stuff repeatedly, continuously. A one-off is no big deal, whatever. But this happens so often and so regularly that it just gets exhausting. I just yeah. got tired. I was on a date a few months ago with somebody I met on the apps and we were, we chatted on the apps for a few days before the date. We were getting along, things were good. And then went for the burgers, had burgers together, had a laugh, thought, came back to my place, had some kind of sex that wasn't really great for either of us. And then Aww. he left and I thought, oh, maybe we'll see each other again. Like, we'll try again another time, whatever. Four days later, I get a text that's like, hey, just wanted to let you know, thank you for the burgers, but I don't think we're going to see each other again. And I was like, okay, good. And so I thought he'd leave it there. And then another text that was like, and the reason why we're not going to see each other is because you're not as independent as I want you to be in the bedroom. Um, <sighs> so we shouldn't see each other anymore. And also, you remind me of my my friend who died in a car crash. So, what the fuck? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about everything you just did. So I, at this point, I was like, fuck that. So at this point, I was still seeing sex workers. And I had, you know, I was doing that. So I was like, you know, this is why I do this. 
because I get what I want. I get to build a relationship with somebody within a safe, boundaried arena that isn't, like, full of, do they like me? Do they not like me? Are we in a relationship? Is it a date? Like, I know exactly what this is, and so do they, and there's no question. There's no, like, is this, could this be this, could this be this? We don't have to do that. We just, hey, want to come over and fuck around and be friendly? Sure, great. And there's something really freeing about that because I'm helping them thrive and I'm giving them business and they're giving me what I, what I, they're letting me be intimate. They're letting me, they're letting me be sexual. They're letting me be sensual. They're letting me be in my space as a, as a queer man, connect with my masculinity, all that stuff. So would I rather pay somebody, you know, some money for some dick or deal with the ableists on the apps? Yeah, I'd rather pay money. Sure. And by the way, all of this is the best example of why the Nordic model for prosecuting anything to do with sex work just doesn't work because no. they're holding the client accountable for all of this. Yeah, and the same in Canada, too. Like, I technically could be arrested for what I'm doing, but like, go ahead, go and arrest the civil guy, really? You're going you're gonna to arrest the civil guy who wants to get his rocks off? Sure, I'd love to see that hold up anywhere. Like, come on. So, <laughs> yeah. So I just Man, think, that'd be great publicity for you. I mean, wouldn't it? <laughs> come, come for me, come for me, people. No, but like, I, I, I just think it's just so. I love sex work, and I think it's such an important and valuable thing that people are doing. And I think that, particularly as a man who's into men, finding the site that I find the men on and finding all this stuff, it saved my life really in a lot of ways because I'm happier, I'm healthier, I get tested more often because of it, like just for my own health. So there's something really, it's transformed how I see sex, and I, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Have you ever experienced any ableism from sex workers that you've hired? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I had, didn't hire them again. I had one guy who was trying his best to be super nice and didn't mean to be an ableist. And if you're listening, person, it's okay, but what you did was super ableist, but it's fine. Um, so we, we set up, we set the appointment up, he comes over, and he comes in and he goes, oh, I guess you're handicapable, hey? And he, like, flops on my couch, and I was like, what did you just say? I didn't say you could say that word. Where did, where did that word come from? Who taught you that? And he goes... And why is that word wrong? Because I hear so many people going, oh, you're handicapable, and they really have no idea. So why is that? Down. It's wrong because it wasn't, it, first of all, it wasn't created by a disabled person, and if it was, ew. Uh, and it just is so infantilizing. Oh, you're handy capable. Why can't you just say disabled? Why is disabled scary? Like, yeah. disabled is what it is. Same with, like, oh, you're... What is the other one? Oh, you have special needs. Yeah. I mean, possibly, yeah. But also, I'm just disabled. Can we call me that? Like, mm. this this idea that not that non-disabled people have to make up these words for us to further us from our humanity is gross. I can be a disabled person at the end. That's why it's wrong. So <laughs> so the guy comes to my house, flops on my couch, and says, oh, you're handicapable. And I went, oh. And I, I called him on it, and I said, hey, like, let's not use that word again, shall we? And like at this point, my, my boner's down. I'm no longer into this anymore. But you're here. I've already paid you the money. Like, oh, okay. So... Man, you know, maybe it'll get better. So, like, so then we go in my room and to do the things. He puts me in the bed, and that's all fine. And then halfway through the sex, he goes, 
he like whispers in my ear and I'm waiting for some like sexy dirty talk and he goes you know you're so beautiful on the inside you have such a great heart and I oh that's like telling the fat girl she's got a pretty face right (laughs) I I, I, was trying so hard not to giggle because I was like you have your heart on just get this over with he'll leave in a minute and then I'll be done not that I wasn't Oh, like I totally consented to all what was happening, but I was like, I can't believe you just, like, what? And then, then when we were done, after he left, he texted me and goes, oh, can you leave me a review? <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? So I was kind, and I left him a five-minute review. But if you know anything about my experience with sex workers, when I leave a review of somebody that I like, I write five paragraphs. When I leave somebody a, a review of somebody that I didn't really click, click with, but they begged me for a review... It's two two words. And my review was, you had a good time. I came. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, that's one of my experiences that I didn't quite enjoy myself. He's not a bad guy by any means, but he needed to be, he needed to learn more about how to treat a disabled client. When you come into a disabled client's house, you are not saving them from their sad, pitiable life as a disabled person. They are paying you so bow fucking down to them. Not, well, not like that either. But like, but respect them for who they are and realize that they are guiding this session. They are putting their money down. They're the ones doing it. You're not saving them from anything. So for the people listening along that are like, oh, fuck, I say handicapable and I thought that was the right word. I just realized I have a lot of work to do. Um, well, one, they can listen to Disability After Dark podcast. Available um, but, every Tuesday on all podcast platforms, yes. Yeah. But where else can someone who realizes, like, I'm not up on any of this, get, like, the you know, the down and dirty, like, here's what you do, here's what you don't do? You know what? Disabled Twitter. Yeah. Twitter's my jam. Go on Twitter and look up people like Alice Wong, look up people like Rebecca Coakley, look up people like me look at people like Annie and Laney, all that stuff, all those people, and they will they will or Imani Bar um I can't remember her last name, but her first name is Imani, and she created all those hashtags like disabled people know things like she's she's a disabled people she's a disabled she's a disability justice like advocate who's created a ton of hashtags around disability justice on Twitter, just fantastic stuff. So mm-hmm. go, just go on disabled Twitter and you'll. Instead of getting a watered-down, like, sanitized legal version of what disability is, and you want to find the real T on disability, Twitter will tell you. Mm, Yeah, and I find that's good for a lot of stuff. Like, you know, if you have, like, I don't know, white supremacist racism stuff, like, follow people on black Twitter and just, like, silently read those tweets for a few weeks. And you know what? And you get a, all, a big education. Yeah, you know? and you know what about that, too? We all have ableist things. We all have racist things. All of that is in is ingrained in our culture. And to say that we're not, to say that I am not a racist, to say that I am also not an ableist is not true. We have to start recognizing that we all are these things. They're not necessarily bad things. It's how you react to them that's bad. So wait, Andrew, sometimes you're ableist. How are you ableist? I mean, there have been times when I have said like, oh, at least I'm not like that disabled person. Oh, at least I don't have that disability. Oh, at least, you know, my life's not like that. Stuff like that. And I've said things around disability that is completely ableist. And I've 
been checked by people on social media being like, hey, that was a problem for me. So it doesn't mean you can't, just because I'm disabled, doesn't mean I can't be A-list. And just because I'm queer, doesn't mean I couldn't be homophobic either. Like, I could be any of those things, and I am those things. It's how I react to being told that I was being that thing that, that's really where you see character. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. I'm going to take that audio clip and play it again and again oh, yeah. and again and Steal again. Steal that and shit again. and put it everywhere. Oh my God. Yes. So it sounds like, and I'm going to make an assumption. I think I'm right. Tell me if I'm wrong. But it sounds like the people that you have encountered in sex work, just in generality, by and large, are a lot less ableist than the people that you meet in a dating situation. Not necessarily, but I've trained them well. You've trained them well. <laughs> are, they, are, are sex workers able to listen <laughs> and respond better than... Yes, because I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm paying them, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah because um. I'm, I'm giving them money. And so part of our two-hour session could be listen to me. But also, when I work with a sex worker, like I make it very clear that in, during the session, you're my friend. Don't come into this place like you're... I don't want your porn star persona. I want... Come and chill with me. Eat a bag of M&M's and maybe suck my dick and vice versa. Like, I'm very... I'm very relaxed as a client and I like that because I don't... Like I, like we said, I don't date in the normative way. So when you come over for a two-hour session, that's my dating time. That's my time I get to test out all these things with somebody that I trust. And so I... And then we do listen. I was... I did a... I did a session with a worker a few weeks ago that I loved and I'll never forget, and it was my one of my favorite sessions ever, we sat on my bed and watched Family Guy for an hour and a half, and that's all we did. That was our Aww. session. There was no sex, there was no, I mean, there was some nakedness, and there was some dick touching, and there was maybe some making out, but like, there was but no... But that's what you needed at the time, right? Yeah, and that was, but that was the most, one of the most powerful sessions I've had, because when I have sex as a disabled person, sometimes I'm like, oh my god, I have to have sex, because this is my only shot. This way I could sit there and just enjoy this person for them as a person. I could find out what made them laugh, what made them, what they thought was funny. Like they could see my sense of humor. And so the next time I suck his dick or he sucks mine, it makes it that much better because you know me a little bit more. Well, I was just thinking it's sort of like, um, Sonny and I are big D and D geeks. We're, we're gamers. We love board games and role-playing games. And oh, I've being seen your, a level I've seen one your beard. human. I know you're a gamer. Like just from looking at your beard. <laughs> it's a giveaway it's a little wizardy. some stereotypes are true yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry they are a little bit of a neckbeard going on but when you're a level one human you might not know how to communicate in the best way possible simply because you don't have the experience to be a level two person and what I mean by that is if you're coming across somebody and you don't think that you're racist or ableist or any of these words, it's simply that you don't have the experience that they do and you gain that by exposure. Yeah. Thus, you gain a level and you learn not to say certain words. And it doesn't mean that any of us that are talking on this podcast today are 100% right on this stuff um, because it's kind of subjective. Like if I was a deaf person... I might have completely different ideas of what disability mean than, for example, of what than what Andrew does. Would you agree with that? Totally, you would. Um, and I think, like, I think we have to recognize that we're gonna, f all of us are gonna fuck up, and that's why more sex podcasts need to interview more disabled people than just me. I mean, I love being like the go-to disabled guy. I do love it. Hire me more, but also. There are more disabled people out there doing what I do, and I want to share their stories, and they deserve a spot. Uh-huh. You know? 
So question, this just crossed my mind, and I, I forget where I saw, it might have been Twitter, because Twitter just seems to be the whole theme of this conversation. Um, Twitter, could you please give me the blue check mark, by the way? I'm fucking waiting. Oh, yeah, Twitter. Give, make Andrew verified. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, so I saw someone saying, like, they said a word that wasn't the right word or something. And they were like, God damn, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing kind of like, I don't know the right words. I ask one person and I think this was like um, disabled person versus person with a disability. And, yeah. you know, some people say you should say people with disabilities because you're putting the pe- the person first as opposed to putting their disability. first. Barf, can't handle it. No. OK, OK. Yeah. But then other people are like, yeah, that's. No. <laughs> so what happens when a person is like, I'm trying to be not all the ists and I'm trying to do the right thing. Just say that. But I Why can't it just stop and end there saying I'm trying? And if if the person, whether we're talking about race, whether we're talking about trans identities, whether we're talking about disability, if they say, my name is Joe and I would like you to call me this and this, your job is to call Joe this and this. And if Mary, where where the fuck are all these weird names I'm getting? But if these pe- <laughs> if these people come to you and say, "Call me this and this," respect that. That's it. It's really simple. Okay. It really okay. Is. Yeah. So all disabled people are not the same because, and I always see the response. You know, it's like, "Oh, hi." You know, you're differently abled, or you're that's different. the one. I was and then say someone earlier. says, someone says, like, "Don't don't say that to me," or "Don't call me that," and then they say. But my cousin Judy, who's in a wheelchair, loves that. <laughs> you know, like, it's like she allows me to say that. She told me that was the right word, so and for, I'm confused. And for her, that is. And for like for me, it's my name's Andrew. I'm a queer cripple, and I'm disabled. Call me that. That's it. That's it. It's just it's just basic respect politics, respectability politics transferred to other identities, which is like, hey, how do you want me to to see you in the world? Give me the agency of that. That's all it is. It's like, mm. you know, you're you're a woman. If you didn't want to be called a woman and you said call me call me they, I would call you they. If you didn't want to go by she and her, I would call you whatever you said. If you didn't want to go by Sunny and you wanted to go by, like, some other name, that's what I would call you because you told me that's what you wanted me to do. It's because I care about you and I give a shit about you, that's what I'm going to do. And the same goes for disability politics and identity politics. Thank you. I I like that. So, listeners, remember all that. So, Andrew. Yes. Um. We again for our listeners, they are going to uh, follow people who are part of disabled Twitter. And is there like are there lists or is there a hashtag or is it just like once I, you find one, you look at their friends and you kind of find them all? I think <laughs> gotta catch them all. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's they're I, like Pokemon. I think it's like a disabled disability Twitter actually is the thing hashtag. Okay. Twitter. I think it, that's what it is. Okay, cool. So for those people who want to find out more about you and all the places they can find you and all the cool things that you've got going on or maybe upcoming, what are all those things? All those things are the Andrew Gerza on all the socials, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and then Disability After Dark every Tuesday on every, pla- every podcast platform. Also, very briefly, before I forget, because I love your show and it goes out to everybody, I'm looking for new podcast topics for my show. So if you are listening and you're disabled and you're like, I want to talk about this. Why does no one talk about this? And I want a place to go. 
and talk about this around disability and sex, my podcast is the place to do that. Uh, awesome. So that's a thing. Also, my website, andrewgerza.com, where you can hire me for talks. I want to come and bring disabled people are hot to people. So, so hire me to do that. Yeah, and you've got merch too, right? Oh yeah, the merch. The merch is put is actually in the store from Dick and Max, their store at at store.podcastjukebox.org. You can click on the disabled people are hot tea and buy one for uh, I think it's I think it is twenty nineteen ninety nine for a t shirt and then twenty three for a fitted one. Um, nice. Also, with that. I'm asking for donations to my to my PayPal, paypal.me slash Andrew because I want to get shirts out to disabled people that can't afford them and don't have the income to buy a shirt. So I like I'm asking for donations from people who want to give me say like a hundred bucks so I can get five shirts produced for low income disabled people who deserve to wear a shirt but can't afford it. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Yay. And thank you for being on like this again. Yeah, again. And I think <laughs> I think we we need you in the elite elite because I think there's only been one other person that's been a three peat. So we need to get you in the elite elite. I mean, you know, I'll have that. You know, I'll blow up again soon and we'll have to do it again. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much. Ger- thank you, uh, Andrew. I just told you. Ger- Ger- I'm all right with my, that. My brain today. Thank you take, so much, Andrew. <laughs> take two. Take two. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, both of you, so much. It was such a pleasure to come on. I had so we had so much fun. And don't the one of the two of you also identify as maybe disabled? That was me, and I was going to ask about that. That's something because I sort of feel like invisible disabled because I don't know if I'm disabled. I, I, I'm like able bodied like ninety percent of the time, and then ten percent of the time I'm very seizurey. I have both. I have three different types of seizure disorders. Come on, this, come on my show and talk about that because I need people. Uh, happy to, happy to do it. Just like I, you know, I like just as long as you don't think that I'm a sham. You know, no, it's, I know, no, no. That's I don't. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, you have like disability imposter syndrome. Kind totally. Of? Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Like, to- yeah let's I, totally talk about that on the show. I would love that. That'd be great. Okay, I'm happy to do it. Nice. All right. Disability imposter syndrome on disability after dark. <laughs> oh, no. Soon. We'll come up with a much sexier name. Okay. Yes. Much sexier. <laughs> I okay. agree with him. Okay. All right. Um, thank you. This has been awesome. This was great. All righty. Bye. Thanks, Bye. friends. Bye. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. I'm Amy, sex educator and sex and relationship coach. I'm April, VP of a high-end international sex toy company. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. Each week, we bring you world-renowned experts to help you have the sex life you've always wanted. And guess what? We're still learning, too. That means you also get a sneak peek into our own sexcapades. Like that one time when April shares her story about losing her anal virginity. Ooh, or that one time when Amy shares all about her daddy issues and how she likes to be dominated in the bedroom. Um, you mean every time? Oh, how about that one time when April was on a mission to learn how to squirt? Hey, thank you, Kegels. Subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and join us every Tuesday for unabashed real talk that will teach you some things that will blow your mind, have you crying with laughter, and probably get you a little turned on. 
Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex. American Sex.